This episode of the podcast is presented by Knowing Hospitality, a full-service hotel management and consulting company that works directly with hotel owners and managers to help stabilize their properties and take on projects that are critical to their operation. Knowing Hospitality can be the extra set of hands that you need to make sure your hotel is best positioned for today's environment. Visit knowinghospitality.com to learn more. Now let's get to the podcast. When they come to us, oftentimes they're, they're, they're curious who else is there, what events are going on. Those are the questions they're asking us. They're not asking us about the size of the room or the thread count of the sheet. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is David Abraham. He's the co-founder of Outpost and leads the team's co-living and co-working growth strategy. Outpost is occupying an interesting space at the intersection of work and life. Initially focused on digital nomads, the changes that the pandemic has forced on business and work culture around the world has put them in a unique position to foster long-term leisure stays with everything one might need to continue working, to grow their network, or embark on a new venture. This is a space that's certain to see rapid growth, and it was fascinating to hear David talk about where he sees the industry going in the next couple of years. So let's get to it. This is episode 40 of the Proven Principles podcast, David Abraham on getting ahead of evolving travel trends. Enjoy. We are good to go, man. Thanks for being on the show. It's so good to have you. Thanks for having me, Adam. Yeah, of course. Uh, David, you are the co-founder of uh, a company called Outpost. I'd love for you to just sort of give a little bit about your origin story, how you got to be where you are and how Outpost, first of all, what it is and, and uh, how it came to be. Sure. Well, we're a, Outpost is a, is a hospitality brand that's, that's focused on the remote worker. Um, we provide living, working, social spaces, experiences in, in idyllic destinations. Um, in 2020, we have four locations that were operations um, in Cambodia, in Bali. Uh, so the reason uh, for our existence was because of the lifestyle that I had and that I had led. Uh, I was back in 2012. Well, actually, for, for, for much of my um, after 2010, I've been I was traveling and working. I worked in Uganda, I worked in Japan, uh, China, and I was actually researching and, and writing a book in about 2012 on sustainability. And I was in a cafe in Tokyo at about 3.30 or 4.30 on a, on a, on a, on a Thursday afternoon. And um, I, was, I was typing away and I, and I lift up my head and I looked around and I saw so many other people in the cafe working and was wondering, well, what are they doing there? Shouldn't they have an office? Shouldn't they have a place to be? I, I had nowhere to be. And so then it dawned on me, if they were in a cafe in the middle of the city, why couldn't they be anywhere? Why were they stuck in, 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 in the city? So we thought, well, why not set up a place for, for people who didn't have to be in the office and be in an idyllic location like Bali? Bali was always a place that I, I really enjoyed to go to. So we, we thought about what are the, what are the services a, a re remote worker, or now I use the term anywhere worker needs. Mm -hmm. And so we set up a, a, a small workspace and, and a couple villas, and we tried to bring a community out to, to, to Bali to, to, to work. And at the time there were lots of people called digital nomads. They were historically folks who uh, were, were tied to their computer, usually uh, in tech or, or some in marketing. And what we saw over time was that more people 
uh, were realizing that they didn't have to be in the office full time and for 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 days, weeks, or months at a time, and some indefinitely, uh, they were on the road. And they came to Outpost because it was a community of other people um, who were entrepreneurial and creative uh, global citizens, and, and they wanted to spend time with them. Mm-hmm. So it was a side project that in 2018, we really spent a little bit more time focusing on. And that's when it led to, led to, led to more of our growth. If only you could see two or three years down the road, right? <laughs> when you launched it and all of this just completely changed. The, the seeds for it, I mean, there's seeds for it go back uh, to, to well before two, that year 2000. Uh, when when the tools that people needed at their office didn't have to reside at their office, when we mm-hmm. got past, um, you know, when, when it, mainframes and, and, and large computers and there, there, were, there were tools that tethered people to the office. And once things got smaller and more portable um, and you could have far more technology and power in your hand than you could at the office, there became less reason uh, to be at the office to do work. Now, obviously mm-hmm. there are a lot of social reasons to be in the office, um, and, but there became less uh, reasons from a work perspective to be in the office. And so what we saw in 2012 was this niche type of community, this niche type of, uh, of traveler, and we wanted to serve them. And uh, we thought we would see this lifestyle where people didn't have to be in the office in the 2030s. And when I sat down across from people in 2017, 2018, I had to explain to them what remote work was. Mm-hmm. And so obviously what the pandemic has done is taken that and flipped it on its head. There's, mm-hmm. there's not anyone who doesn't know where remote work is. There's not a, you know, an HR uh, department in a company not thinking, well, how are we going to incorporate remote work in the future? Uh, a recent study came out that said 90% of HR managers expect they're going to have to find ways to make remote work work. Right. 30% of people in the U.S. don't want to go back to the office and would choose to quit. And to me, that's shocking wow. because they're deciding that they would do that in a, in a recession or depression. Huh. I'm not too sure where we are. <laughs> that's another so, show. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's just, it's, uh, it's a lifestyle change and it's, and the question is, you know, how, how do we get ready for it uh, in certain aspects of hospitality? Yeah, that is a really interesting point. You know, I wonder as you're as you're talking about how the company came to be and and this niche group of people who just started to explore remote working. A pretty small group of people back then. Um, but as we kind of moved through the mid 20 teens and kind of pushing into 18 and 19. What did you find? I'm just curious to know, like just through your research and talking to people, what did you find was one of the biggest barriers to, to, to potentially having this take off? And, you know, you, and, and I'll maybe preface the question by saying you talked about technology and that allowed it to be a lot easier for people to do this. But I, there was still, at least in North America, this company culture that resisted that remote work that resisted people not being in the office and, and you had to be in your boardrooms. Um, and now because of the pandemic, that's completely shifted again. And it's just interesting to see the the evolution of this and how quickly we've come to uh, to remote work being not just something that people want to do. It could end up being 
a recruiting and retention strategy for organizations. Correct. Correct. It, it, it definitely is. I think the, the barrier, the initial barrier was how do you get work done out of the office? How can, how can you do it? You, you're in, you know, you're in Bali, you're in Sri Lanka. What, what are you, you going to do? Uh, so that, that mindset is, is tough to break. And even if you don't have that mindset, when you're in New York or San Francisco or Chicago during the winter, and you're talking to someone in, in, in Puerto Vallarta or somewhere else, there feels to be like a, a, an imbalance, like, wait, I'm slugging away here in Chicago and, and it's kind of rainy sleet and you're there. How, how are you, how are you possible getting anything done? So there's kind of this, this jealousy, not understanding. And, and it even played out with me and, 2016, I was telling people um, in New York, yeah, we can chat next week. Any, any, any morning will work. Um, and I would tell people that because, well, I was in Bali and I didn't want to stay up till 5 a.m. for the phone call. But it, no, no, one took, no one thought much about it. And it wasn't until 2018 that I started telling people exactly where I was. Um, so there was this momentum towards people understanding where remote work was. And I also think that there's, and, and this is a, a side topic, but really focus on, uh, on office culture is that as, as companies go remote, there's, uh, different levels of honesty and transparency that you need. Um, and I think a lot of the millennials and Gen Zers understand the transparency that you need to make decisions. And because you're not in a central place, there's always this fear of wait, what's happening out there in the beyond. And, and so when decisions are made, you felt, and, and the company is not necessarily so honest and transparent. I mean, this is down to transparency and salaries, transparency and everything. Um, then, then they feel unattached to the company. So it can go completely wrong if people aren't, um, you know, rigorously transparent. Um, and I think that's where the cultural, the, the younger generation is they become managers. That was the the linchpin to us before the pandemic mm-hmm. of when remote work would take off. When these 30-somethings became 40-something decision makers, that's mm-hmm. when we looked at the change of what was going to happen. That's really, that's really interesting. You know, I personally came up in a, in a time, I said, I mean, and I know how that sounds because you know, when I went to school, we walked uphill both ways. Um, no, but you know, when I, when I was coming up through the ranks, it, a lot of the time it was about uh, the number of hours that you're in the office equals the amount of productivity that you have. And so there was always this race to be the first one in and the last one out, even though you weren't necessarily, you maybe you weren't doing anything. You could have just been, you know, clacking away on Facebook or, you know, having conversations with people around the office and not actually doing any productive work. Whereas, you know, I, I haven't seen any stats on this, but anecdotally, I can say, you know, since, since not being in an office, I get I actually have to manage my time far better now because I get stuck into things so much easier. My productivity is so much higher. And, and I, I find that I end up doing a lot more work during downtime when I should probably be, you know, closing the laptop and, you know, going and doing other things. Um, and so I think it's fascinating just to see how this is all going to play out. And, and you guys are at the forefront. You do see a lot of, a lot of challenges with um, the blending of time. And sure, that's great when you're, I want to do whatever I want to do and I love my work and I want to be involved. But there's that, that blending of time of, that happens when you are blending spaces. Mm-hmm. So when you're working from home or you're, 
it's 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 still very important to keep those same rigorous schedules and find ways to 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 kind of be productive um, within the time and space that you have really allotted to it. Yeah, you've mentioned a couple of locations where you've got uh, where you've got outpost locations. Uh, are you purposefully going after? you know, vac- traditional vacation destinations, places like Bali or, you know, and the like, or do you see growing into more urban locations in the future? I don't think urban locations are necessarily not idyllic. Um, and what I mean by that is I remember I was in Bangkok in 2017 or early 2018, and I was with my my business partner there and we were on the, uh, the, uh, the MRT, the um, BTS, um, all the acronyms, this, the, the Metro <laughs> service blend together. Um, as I sit here in Singapore, the, so I was there and some guy came on and said, Hey, you're the outpost guys. And I said, we said, yeah, he's like, well, I'm here for a couple I'm here for a month and then I'm going to move on. And so places like Bangkok, uh, Saigon are places that, um, are destinations for certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of akin to the, the hostile market. You know, you think hostile markets are great in, in vacation areas. Um, it's social, people are relaxing, you see them and see them reap everywhere and, and people are spending time soaking in the culture and, and going out for drinks. And But they work in cities too. Uh, so, you know, the, the concept of, of where people want to spend time um, and that really dictates that. Uh, there are certain cities that are probably less appealing, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the, we feel that the concept can work if, if people want to go. It's a a medium-term concept um, that splits in terms of socialness splits the between the hotel and the hostel, where the hotel or resort oftentimes you're going and you have interactions with the space, mm-hmm. um, you're not having interactions with others, and then the hostel and you you, you want to soak up who else is there, um, but the question is you get to an age where you don't want to hear Ashley snoring in the background, <laughs> and you still want to have that privacy. But the socialness, and and I don't know where that that, that concept um, isn't fully developed. And so at the at the at the very core of part of, of or the very core of what we do is that interaction. And now we we focus on on remote workers, but I think there's a lot of space for that um, in 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 the years to come. Yeah. Can you, there's so much that I want to get to in the show here, and I I, I want to be. I know you've got a hard stop too, so I'll try to be pointed with some questions here. Um, when somebody wants to book time or book a stay with you, can you I, walk me through what the experience is like? So they, you know, I'm assuming they go to the website, they book uh, a, a room for a certain length of time as if you would book a traditional hotel room, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then what does the rest of that look like when they get on property? What are the, some of the services that are there? What, what can they take advantage of? People who are coming out to us, there's this level of trust uh, that they're coming, uh, some of them, a lot of them are first timers. They're figuring out how can I actually do work? Um, and they also want to know who they'll meet. So really when, when someone comes to us, it's, it's less about the, the amenities and a lot of these hospitality players who are getting into, you know, uh, work, work from our location are, 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 are highlighting their desks or highlighting their, their, their Wi-Fi, and, and obviously that's necessary. But I can't remember a time, with the exception of someone asking about, do you have standing desks or, or a yoga ball, uh, that anyone's really asked us about a desk, a chair. Um, it, increasingly, they 
stop asking about Wi-Fi because it's getting to the point where um, it's people don't ask us about electricity. It's uh, a, it's a utility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's 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 there. Um, so when they come to us, oftentimes they're 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 curious who else is there, what events are going on. Those are the questions they're asking us. They're not asking us about the size of the room or the thread count of the sheet. So it's the overall experience of of who they're going to meet during their time there, um, how they're going to grow, um, what job context they may have. Um, so they come and and they're interested in uh, having having beers with people that they're that they're sitting across from um, at the workspace. Uh, they are interested in in learning about new types of skills uh, that they could have. They're interested in coming to Art at Dawn uh, to create something. They're interested in soaking up the culture and uh, meeting people uh, who they would never meet because they're not in Bali. Um, so Balinese artists, they're interested very much in wellness. So there's a, there's a type of, of, of lifestyle that, that, that people have and, and a vision of, of what they want to do. And oftentimes it's overwhelming of what they want to do. They want to do this, this, and they're there for four weeks. And, and um, you know, we've, I used to say a, a year ago, people came out and they had this idea and they were on a, a work sabbatical and they, they couldn't get everything they wanted done. Their project never worked out, but they went to yoga every day. Uh, even if they went back to, you know, the UK after this experience, they had a fond memory of Outpost. Mm. So we have this really privileged position where we're kind of a bucket list place where people want to spend time and they often remain. And because of that, we have this, um, this privilege to, to, to serve someone a lot of unique experiences, especially shared experiences um, that they're, that they're really seeking to soak in. It's almost yeah. distracting. <laughs> Taking them away from the work because <laughs> there's so right. many other things to do. Right. That's, that's, um, I, I, you know, I think coming at it from that holistic perspective um, and, and not just, yeah, because there's plenty of rooms, there's plenty of hotel rooms in Bali that somebody could go stay at. And there's, there's plenty of places that people could go stay at, at a hotel and work uh, at that hotel, at a desk or in a lobby. But there's something so much more um, fulfilling on a different level, I would imagine, where people can ex maybe have the space to explore um, things that they're interested in doing and, and have the... Um, you know, people around them to bounce ideas off of maybe in completely different industries. Uh, that networking effect has got to be pretty powerful. It is. It is the, the, the part of the outpost society. Um, they're coming out. They're they're coming to this uh, you know alchemy of ideas. And we've always believed that you know, some of the, the greatest inventions and and thoughts come from on the borders of society. Yeah. And people come out and spend time in the in the beyond and and mix with people and then. They carry those, actually carry those relationships with, with them. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we're, I'm excited when I hear we've had groups go out to Burning Man together. We've have a, a company that was started uh, that's now based in Pakistan, that uh, a payment provider, the people met at Outpost, not Pakistani, and then went <laughs> out to Pakistan and started a, a payment provider. So there's kind of this entrepreneurial and creative vibe that we we, we, we seek to foster. Like a little, like an incubator, <laughs> an unofficial incubator. Right. That's amazing. Right. Um, you know, you alluded to it a little bit, but uh, maybe if we could dive in a bit deeper into some of the changes that you're starting to see in the industry, um, you know, with, with where 
where things were as you were really getting into the launch of Outpost and then what some of the changing needs are of travelers and what you're hearing out there as a result of COVID and how some of this company culture of remote working is, is changing into the future. Are you seeing anything that you could maybe provide some insight to listeners on about what some of the changing needs are of, of travelers, business travelers, leisure travelers? I think you used a, a term that I liked in our initial conversation. Um, I think you called it bleisure. Yes. Right. So I, I'm fascinated. Well, the bleisure travel, the, the combining of business and leisure, I did that when I was... Um, traveling abroad. I um, you know, was in, in, in Peru. I had a business trip there and I stayed on for a few days and, 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 saw, and saw Machu Picchu. Uh, that's where business leads leisure travel. Have a meeting in Hong Kong, spend three days in Hong Kong, and, and it's been a, it's a great experience. So what we're seeing with Anywhere Work is the opposite is happening that people are deciding where they want to go and bringing business with them. Hmm. So the locations have changed and the dynamics of what people need have changed because when it's a leisure opportunity, all right, you're spending four days and you're going to a conference and then you just, you hang on um, and the same at the same property. Maybe if you're, you know, more ambitious, you're going to go, you're going to go somewhere else, but then you're a typical, uh, you know, you have a tourist profile, hmm. but the, the anywhere worker has a different mindset and it's more of one of, all right, I want to get in. I want to get settled. I want to get grounded and I want to make sure I can get stuff done. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people going away for the first time will be a little bit nervous or concerned. How do they, how do they get grounded? Cause it's going to be exciting going to a new place. Uh, in fact, I encourage companies that are setting up a policy of when, when people are traveling their first, their first few days, they, they should take as vacation rather than working because you just get, you, you get too extract, too distracted. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so what we're seeing, so in, the, in terms of the leisure, that's a big shift. So people are going to be directed to where they're going to want to go. And we see a lot of the similar trends that other people are seeing longer term stays. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we had a, a sales campaign for people coming out to our locations, uh, although they don't know exactly when they're going to come, but they're booking longer stays. Mm -hmm. Uh, so typically we'd see two weeks to a month, uh, the pre bookings we're seeing two months, three months, six months, uh, much, much wow. longer stays. Um, does that change how you market the properties in, especially with people that are maybe thinking leisure first in their destination? Does it change how you would typically go after trying to acquire those customers? Uh, I as someone newer to the industry and my staff is, is, is more well-versed, I've never marketed just a, a leisure product. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I can't really, I can't really say I, I, that for us, we've been trying to focus on longer term stays. We have okay. people who are coming in and we don't rely on OTAs uh, to the extent that other, other folks do, because our, our, our product doesn't sell well on an OTA. You, you go to uh, go to our booking.com, you see the, the hotel property, you see the rooms, that's not what we, we don't compete on amenities and we, we compete on shared experiences. Yeah. And so that doesn't, that doesn't list well. There, there are other types of prop, there are other types of services that are sprouting up that are focusing on medium term stays, uh, co-living.com, uh, any, any, any place, um, these, these, they do. Um, mm -hmm. so that's more of a match for us, but we have a lot of, a lot of more direct bookings 
um, because people are are making a, a clear decision. They're researching more as to where they want to be and what community they want to join. Yeah. So sometimes that requires a little more handholding um, because they want to speak to someone. Uh, so that's that's uh, we have more direct communication with people before they come over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you actually, you know, what what you just said there, even though, uh, even though it may not be that obvious that you're you're selling the experience of being there. You know, you're you're providing people with maybe some more information about the destination on where they're going, and that's a pretty big shift from how hotels have typically marketed. Usually, it's come stay in our beige room in whatever city you're going to. And, you know, maybe there'll be a handful of restaurants nearby that you can go eat at. And that's the extent of the experience you're going to have, especially on your business trip. Leisure is a little bit different, but it's been such an interesting shift to start to see since, you know, the pandemic has taken hold. And this is our new, our new life now is that, you know, there's only so many travelers coming into a city and hotels have to start kind of banding together and selling the, the benefits of the destination. And you see this, especially in some of the, the smaller areas where people that live in big urban centers go to vacation, the drive, the drive destinations, where there's, it's not just come and stay at this hotel in the mountains. It's like, hey, when you come to the mountains, you've got X, Y, and Z that you can do. Oh, and by the way, we've got a great room that you can stay at when you're here. Uh, and that's a pretty, that's a very different way of looking at it than we have in the past. Um, it's uh, so I, I mean, just even based on what you're talking about, you guys may be leading the way there. We see we see people traveling not because or not solely because what is there, but rather who is there. Mm-hmm. And so that's the the market we we have. Uh, they want to meet the other folks who are, are there. And so that's that takes a little bit more learning mm-hmm. uh, because you're trying to, to read through the, the material and see who, who else am I going to meet while I'm there? And so that's one of the, the, the challenges that uh, typical hotel properties that want to attract uh, a large nomad community is h- how do you how do you get people coming in who may want to work and meet other people and with your usual uh, leisure travelers and how do you how do you create that space it's 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 a little bit it's a little bit uh, awkward it can be done. Um, if it's thought through, but it, it doesn't always make sense to take a property that had focused on a one, one, one market and say, all right, we got desks and beds. Let's focus on remote workers. Uh, you'll get some people, you'll get probably couples, potentially families that don't really want to interact with other folks. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it can be an awkward mix. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like when a hotel is half rented or three quarters rented by a wedding and you've got these other people who are coming in and they kind of feel like, <laughs> Oh, I'm coming into someone else's party. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. Uh, God, you just made me have like 10 flashbacks, like instantly about, uh, you know, my days working on property with that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's true. Um, so what's uh, what's next for Outpost? How do you, how's the 2021-22 uh, the roadmap uh, shaping up for you? Well, it's it's the most exciting time we've faced and the most challenging time. It's hard to be... Uh, you know, we're, it, it's hard not to be excited about the future of of anywhere work. And we've said, all right, in the in the 2030s, we're going to expect uh, tens of millions or close to 100 million people who could be traveling and working. And then all of a sudden, that happens. That overnight. happens now, yeah, overnight. <laughs> um, and even if it's even if even if it's 
yeah, whatever, whatever the increase is, it's far more than we, we thought it would be. Um, at the same point, it's, it's a challenging time when, when uh, borders aren't open, um, when uh, the shakeout in, in hospitality has yet to play, especially in Southeast Asia, um, where banks have um, done what they can to keep existing, uh, you know, they've been a little bit more forgiving. Um, so, but that time is ending and, and what's this general shift and, and how does Outpost um, expand within it? Um, we're keen to look forward uh, to expand our ways in an asset light way, um, really to help build that that community, give our members more places to go to because uh, they come to Bali and, and are excited, but where else can they go? Um, we do offer some trips that are outside our destinations, uh, so to get people to, to other locations, um, but we're excited to be in more destinations um, and looking for partners who want to, who want to bring our concept um, to their shores. Nice. That's great. Hey, if anybody wants to learn more about Outpost or, or get in touch with you, David, uh, what's the best place for them to go? The easiest place is on LinkedIn. Okay. For sure. All right. Sounds good. I'll link to your profile in the show notes if anybody wants Thanks. to get a hold of you. Well, David, this was uh, fascinating. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Appreciate you giving some insight. And and uh, I think you guys are doing something uh, unique and uh, interesting. And I, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much, Adam. Great chatting with you. You too. This was my episode with David Abraham. Be sure to check out Outpost at destinationoutpost.co. You can also find David on LinkedIn. I'll link to both in the show notes. You can see the full interview on YouTube. Just search The Proven Principles Podcast. And if you want to learn more about the show, just head over to our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Finally, if you need help with a business strategy or just need someone to talk to about a tough problem in your hotel or restaurant, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com slash contact. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. For past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to The Proven Principles Podcast.